Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to Edge Rush, presented by the Hammer Betting Network. I am your host, Eric Pauly, and as always, I am joined with TA from CleveAnalytics.com, as well as professional sports better Hitman, to discuss the entire NFL slate. Of course, we are in week 15 of the season, and if you did not catch Day to Day, our show about injury news that TA and I do on Tuesdays, you would know that TA is coming off not only his best betting season of this year, but one of the best betting weeks in recent memory. So congrats to TA there. We'll go to you, Hitman. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How was week 14 for you? It was good. You know, we only got four weeks left, and then we got the playoffs. So it seems like time has uh, flown by. But I'm ready for the grind of December and trying to navigate through all these bets during the holidays. Yeah, of course. And TA, again, come off that huge week. How are you doing? You have that short memory. You're back and refocused. How are you feeling? Yeah, because you asked me last week, and I was like, oh, it was my worst week of the season. And we tried to be transparent here. So, yeah, I was like coming off my worst week and then ended up having my best week back-to-back. So that's just, you know, that's how uh, there's no short-term biases here. That's just how the uh, cookie crumbles. So you got to move on because like, you, you can get humbled real quick with another really bad week. So uh, not thinking too much about it and just trying to navigate through through these games. we got Saturday games to start now. It's going to be a whole new uh, – you know, just adding another full day of slates here for the rest of the uh, rest of the regular season. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be certainly exciting again for sports betting process, sometimes greater than results, actually, most of the time. And we have a full slate games Thursday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. So right before we get into it, we want to remind everybody quickly that on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel, we do have a slew of other shows, including live shows during NFL primetime games. On Thursdays, we have Andrew Walker and Joey Kanish going live during primetime games. And on Sundays, Rob Pizzola and Steve in summer. And Monday, Rob is back with Eric. We're also just 20 subscribers away from that huge 1,000 mark. So any support you guys could show our channel by throwing likes to the videos and podcasts, showing us love by subscribing on YouTube, and shooting us some comments really, really help our channel grow. So we really appreciate all of that. And with that out of the way, let's get right to it. Thursday night football, the San Francisco 49ers. Head to Seattle and kind of a must-win game for the Seahawks for this NFC playoff picture. Uh, Seattle's looking to have running back Kenneth Walker back in their lineup, which is big for them. And the 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, who was coming off a good start last week, is still questionable with an oblique injury, so we shall see how that breaks out tomorrow. Right now the spread is sitting at 49ers minus 3.5, minus 3 depending where you're looking. A total of 43, 43.5. We'll go to you first, TA. How are you viewing the 49ers from the side or total perspective? Yeah, I mean, this is just a <clears throat> tough game to handicap because of all those injuries. I mean, you don't even know if Brock Purdy's going to play, right? And so, and we got Josh Johnson behind him. Um, you know, I suspect he plays, but, you know, you just never know. And you've got Purdy coming, obviously, on a short week. is just his second start. So that's a, clearly a, a totally different dynamic. And it's a road game, and it's in a hostile environment. So, 
you know, from that perspective, my guess is without Debo Samuel also who's going to be out, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that they're just going to lean a lot on their run game and quick passing game um, and try to try to get the, the job done that way. And, you know, that probably is smart because Seattle is struggling uh, defending the run. You know, we talked about it last week. I was on Carolina. I had that money line as well. So, you know, that was a nice hit. And it was really because uh, the handicap for me was just, you know, the Carolina defense. But also, you know, they could ground and pound. You know, Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, like they really were relying on that run game. And Seattle had not stopped the run for a number of weeks against some really, really poor running offenses like Tampa and the Rams. And they got shredded by Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. So, you know, that that's something that um, they have not cleaned up. They're, they're second worst in the NFL when, it, when you look at rush EPA allowed uh, since week 10. And so, you know, that is probably what I, I would uh, imagine that Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco is going to focus on. So from a bet perspective, you know, I do think there's some merit with Seattle here just because of all the uncertainty with, at the quarterback situation. And even if he is healthy, a uh, tough road spot, a short week uh, in division. You know, I'm not sure what Seattle's going to be able to do offensively against this, this Niners defense, which has been just you know incredible of late. But they too have injuries uh, on the defensive side. Of the Niners, you know, stop, stop me if you've heard that before. So I talked about it yesterday in the day to day show. It's just a number of guys in that defensive tackle front. Um, Eric Armstead and Kerry Hyder. There's like four or five guys that are either out or could be out in the secondary. Their their depth pieces at cornerback. Uh, multiple guys are out. So, you know, there could be a situation where Seattle uh, could move the ball in them. I, I would suspect, even though Kenneth Walker is back, that Seattle's going to want to you know, kind of open it up and, and let Geno throw the ball. So I think you can get some big plays out of that, um, that offense. I mean, the, the, the Niners do, from time to time, allow some big plays uh, through, the, through the air. We saw that in the first play of the game against Miami on that, what, 70-yard touchdown. So they can get beat on occasion, but it's going to be hard to sustain long drives. So... For me, I don't have a play on this. Uh, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be interesting. I think Seattle's definitely live just because of all those uh, mitigating factors. But, um, you know, they're going to definitely have to be able to stop the run here and, and be able to produce some big plays. So um should be a good game. I'm just – I'm not participating in it right now. Totally understandable. When these two teams faced off in week two, that was the game Trey Lance got hurt and Garoppolo came in. But the Seahawks offense did not muster a single point. The only points they had came off either a blocked field goal or a blocked punt. I'm not exactly sure. So shows that the Seahawks are looking for something. It was a blocked field goal. I remember I had the Niners in that game. That was, <laughs> that was the only touchdown they scored. Blocked field goal. That's that's uh that's some way to score points. Hopefully Seattle can fare better this week. But talk to me, Hitman. Are you agreeing that uh, Seattle might be live? Are you passing, or do you have a play on this one? I like Seattle plus three and a half. You could still get it in the, the minus one twenty ish range, which I think is fine. Um, TA took a lot of what I was going to talk about with the San Francisco defensive injuries, the defensive line injuries, the corner injuries, but also TA mentioned about how they're so reliant on the short passing game with Brock Purdy. And you would think with him being less than a hundred percent, if he does play in this game, they're going to be more reliant on the short passing game and losing Debo Samuel is, is a big loss for, for this game. I think. And then you have the fact of Seattle, they do get Kenneth Walker back, which is a, um, it's obviously important to just have the threat of Kenneth Walker, considering that last week against Carolina, they literally didn't, like Travis Homer's a third down running back and he was their starting running back. They really didn't even attempt 
to run the ball. And then the Geno Smith matchup also, you know, he is number one in the NFL in completion percentage over expected against cover three looks. And we know San Francisco uh, ever since going back with Robert Sala and now D'Amico Ryans, that's the look that they're going to play. They're going to rush for and play that coverage behind it. And Seattle, you know, they fared well, really well in this series. Uh, before the, the game that they played earlier this season where it was just in pouring rain and San Francisco won pretty handedly, the, Seattle had won four straight games against San Fran, five of the last six. And those were in years where San Francisco was the better team. Well, last year they went 2-0 and against them. That was when San Fran made the NFC Championship, the year that C- – that San Fran made the Super Bowl and was clearly a better team than Seattle. Seattle played them pretty much dead even in the two games they matched up. I just think that this is a game that a lot of times you can throw the records out, kind of similar, not as similar to Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but kind of in that ballpark of where these teams just tend to play each other pretty competitively. So I think Seattle, as long as you're getting three and a half, I, I think that they're the, uh, the side in this game. Yeah, understandably so. Going back to what you were saying about Seattle kind of having the 49ers number, Pete Carroll since 2018, 6-3 against the 49ers at the moment. So obviously, you know, those trends don't mean too much, but just something to consider, uh, especially in an interdivision matchup like we got on Thursday night. So uh, should be a great one. Very excited for that one. Now let's go to some Saturday football. The first game on that Saturday slate is the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Minnesota finally showing their true colors last week after getting beat down by the Lions in Detroit. And the Colts, a dead-in-the-water team, unfortunately. However, it seems to be that they've gotten some money as this game opened at Minnesota minus 5.5. They're now sitting at 4, 4.5. Total also has ticked up from 46.5 to 48, 48.5. We'll go back to you, Hitman. How are you viewing the Colts and the Vikings? I have some line value, just a little bit, on Minnesota. Uh, I'm definitely, I, I lean towards them, but it's just a team that I hate to ask to, to win by margin at, at the moment with how their defense is playing. I mean, I was on them last week and it, Kirk Cousins did his job. He th- threw for over 400 yards against this Lions defense, but the Vikings defense has just been struggling. So I, I feel like against any team, especially maybe a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, who will dink and dunk his way down the field sometimes against his zone defense, the back door could always be open. So I'll just call it a lean towards Minnesota, but ultimately I probably don't end up firing. Things could change, injury reports, all that could change things. But ultimately what probably keeps me away from firing is just I'm uncomfortable with the Vikings defense asking them to, to win by margin. And seemingly it feels like with Minnesota, going back to last year with Zimmer, every game is a one-score game. With Zimmer last year, they lost every one-score game. With O'Connell this season, they've won every one-score game. But the common denominator of Minnesota the last two years has been a lot of one-score games. Yeah, that is a very interesting point. Maybe something similar to what we could talk about with the Raiders and Josh McDaniel as uh, later on the show. But Definitely a very interesting point you're bringing up there and can totally see not wanting or seeing Minnesota winning by margin too frequently. Uh, but go to you here, TA. Do you agree that you're leaning toward the Vikings here or how are you viewing this matchup? 
Uh, I have not participated in this um, <laughs> yet. Uh, I don't know what to think. Like, I think, you know, and I talked about it last week. I, I wasn't on either side, although I would have, you know, I was leaning Lions. Um, I know it was, it was Hitman versus the world, right? When he was on the Vikings, we talked about. But, uh, but yeah, I think the market has already caught up. You know, it's it's not it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, the Vikings are overrated and they're overvalued. Like, we get that. That's why this line is four and a half. So, um, you know, but but is it gone too too far? Is the question? I mean, the Colts. The last time we saw them went into Dallas, and like I was on the Colts, and it looked good for about three and a half quarters until they. I mean, that was an epic collapse in the fourth quarter against Dallas. You know, they closed what eleven. So you're talking about a, a essentially a six and a half point gap between Dallas and Minnesota right now. And yeah, Dallas is better, but that's a gigantic. I mean, that's a gigantic number. Um, and so I'm not sure, uh, you know, the Colts deserve to get that much credit. Um, you know, they did play okay against the Cowboys, but th- this is what they do. They're dead last in turnover EPA on offense for a reason. Um, that's what Matt Ryan does. And he can't, you know, can't seem to get out of his own way and, and is, can't handle pressure. And we've got a Minnesota team that, you know, is not good against the pass, but you know, w- with that crowd noise and, you know, with, with some of their defensive uh, defensive ends, they could get some pressure and cause some trouble here and cause some turnovers. I don't know. Again, it's hard to, to back this Minnesota team needing margin with, with such a bad defense, but I, I'm not ready to jump on the Colts here at all either. And, you know, who knows? This is always a tough spot, and it's even tougher now because of these late buys. You know, you've got these teams that are off of it, off of a bye week this, this late in the season. And they're out of it, right? They have nothing to play for, so they get they get in kind of a mini vacation mode, and it's like, oh, I got to go back to I got to go back to work and, and play, like that. That's really tough to to bounce back from. Um, you know, some will handle it better than others, and but that's a big question mark from from a motivation standpoint. Um, so you know, to me, it's I haven't done anything with this. You know, uh, I'm just I'm just gonna stay away. I think the, the numbers about right, but it's not. It's just hard for me to pull the trigger on either side here. Yeah, no, certainly understandable. Again, I'm personally not looking to uh, to dive into myself either. Uh, to uh, again, the Vikings, of course, sitting in that number two seat in the NFC playoff picture. Unfortunately for them, with that minus one point differential, we don't really think the Vikings are really poised to make a deep run in the postseason. But we shall see if they keep keeping these games close. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But moving on to the next game on the Saturday slate, an AFC North matchup. The Baltimore Ravens coming off a win against the Steelers last week. We'll head to Cleveland to take on the Browns, who are coming off a loss. The big storyline is, of course, Lamar Jackson's injury, but also the potential injury to Tyler Huntley, the quarterback of the Ravens. If he cannot go, Anthony Brown will be the starter, and I'm sure we could definitely expect some movement in this game if that is the case. But at the moment right now, the Browns are sitting at two and a half, three-point favorites, depending where you look. A very low total, understandably so, at 37. We'll go back to you here, TA. Ravens-Browns, how are you viewing this one? Um, I would lean Browns. I haven't taken it, but I would lean Browns here. Um, Obviously, a lot of questions at quarterback. But, 
even with Huntley, I think two and a half is a good number if you're looking at the Browns. Again, another motivation question. You know, they they had a little bit of a tiny glimmer of hope going to that Cincinnati game, and and they end up you know flopping. And so, you know, how motivated are they? And really, there's a, a kind of an underrated injury to their linebacker JOK, who's been kind of the Raven stopper. They essentially drafted him to to spy on Lamar Jackson. And he's done a great job. I mean, they've done a, a really nice job slowing down this Ravens offense with Lamar. And obviously you'll get, you know, not the same explosiveness if it's with uh, Tyler Huntley, but, you know, same style, uh, running quarterback, being able to defend Mark Andrews. They just have nothing outside. And, you know, I, I was on Baltimore in the teaser and, and it, you know, it looked pretty, pretty good. But, you know, they were given that they were given it, given some stuff up late. Um, the defense is playing well. I think it'd be an interesting matchup with this Browns offense that everyone's going to talk about how bad Deshaun Watson looked. He looked a lot better in the second half. They opened things up. Um, they had to play a little bit of catch up mode, but you know, except for that one interception, he played pretty well. There was a drop touchdown by uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. It was, just hit him right in the chest. It, it should have been should have been a touchdown. The whole game could have been completely different. It was on a fourth down. I think they're going to open things up a little bit. I think they're going to spread out this Ravens um, defense. It's the first home game for Deshaun Watson, so a little bit different reception. The weather's not supposed to be great, and you know it's not like Deshaun Watson has a ton of experience in cold weather. You know, he's playing, played in the Dome his whole career and played down in, in Clemson uh, in college, so that that's something to keep an eye on. But to me, I would lean Browns here at under three, even with Huntley. Uh, if it's Anthony Brown, this thing could get to three and a half, four uh, when it's all said and done. But it looks like Huntley will go, which I'm surprised at because the new concussion protocols do make it difficult to come back on a normal week, let alone you know a short week. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but he was—I know he was going through walkthrough today. But um, but that's my lean. I don't love it, but you know uh, I think the value is is on the Browns here. Very interesting. Looking at some value with Cleveland, Hitman. You agree with that, or you're looking at this game a different way? Here's my focus on the game. Ta, how far are you from the stadium? I'm about 20 miles away. Okay. So here's what I need you to do, T.I. I need you to <laughs> walk outside maybe like three, four hours before the game, maybe every hour, just take a step outside. And I need you to give me some wind and weather updates in Cleveland because well, – <laughs> go on. Here's here's what you got to understand about Cleveland is uh, I live in the suburbs and – the, the what happens down right on the lake, which is where the stadium is, is completely different than you know even ten miles away. There's so much the wind whips uh, in the stadium. <clears throat> Doesn't matter what it's doing; it could, it could be completely calm here and be 25 miles an hour at the stadium. So, so, so it will it will always be worse though at the stadium, correct? Oh, always, always, always worse. Yep. worse. Okay, so if it's if it's bad in your area, then you could assume the stadium is. Oh yeah, bad. yeah, yeah, okay. no doubt. Well, that, that's what I, I'm going to need from you on Saturday. Definitely, we could get involved in some props potentially uh, based off the weather. But um, yeah, I, I lean towards the Browns also. But like you said, if Brown is the quarterback in this game, the line's going to go a lot higher. Now, I do think it's very likely going to be Huntley. But um, yeah, this, this is just a Ravens team. I mean, they should have lost to Pittsburgh last week. I mean, Pittsburgh statistically was the better team that game and Baltimore forced all those turnovers in the red zone, give them credit, but Pittsburgh could have easily won that game. And I mean, let's look at what that spread, what did that spread close again? It closed two and a half, I think with Pittsburgh at home. So now Mm -hmm. we're going to say that the Browns and Pittsburgh 
are equal. I mean, I'm I can't get that far. I think the Browns are def are a better team on a neutral than Look Pittsburgh, better. and I really didn't okay. upgrade Baltimore off that game much. So, yeah, for me at two and a half. I would um, look towards the Browns, but I'm most interested in the wind and the weather in this game. Here's what I'll say. What do you think if if Tyler Huntley gets announced in, does that line go to pick? No Or does it just stay? Huh? I think it's it's accounting that Huntley's very likely going to play. I mean, he practiced in full today, I believe, right? And I know there's been a – you can kind of tell from, like, the writers and the the beat writers and the the national media guys – you can kind of get a gist, like if you read uh, the tea leaves on like who's more likely to play in games, just based off their report. I feel like Huntley's likely going to play, so I don't think it moves much, to be honest. If, if Huntley gets ruled in, and I think if Browns ruled in, then it just goes up. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say if you're thinking about the Browns and you think Huntley could play, you could just wait because it won't get the three likely. Um, if Huntley is announced in, I think at this point, but if he's announced out, he will jump to you know three and a half, four. So um, yeah, I mean, you can go maybe half a position now and then, you know, wait to see what happens with the quarterback situation. You might actually get a little bit better number if it's Huntley. I, I think it might dip down a little bit if Huntley plays. I don't think it's a hundred percent incorporating him being um, him being in yet. So that, that's just my opinion. I'm sure it's a higher likelihood, maybe 75%, but I, I don't think we're at the full kind of Huntley. Huntley's going to play yet. These things with concussions, like there are guys that will practice, even go through walkthroughs, and then all of a sudden they'll just announce them out. You know, so um, because look, you're not, it's not like you've got a hurt leg or you know an ankle. You can actually walk around and run and do things. It's just a matter of are you cleared to take hits, and so that's where the question is. Um, and you know, for a running quarterback, it's just so hard for me to imagine that they would let him play so easily off of a concussion where he had to leave the game uh, on a short week, but you know, you never know. So it's, t- it's a tough to handicap, but I think the Browns are, are, are the, the play here um, at under three. Uh, so well, I guess we'll monitor with a concussion situation. Definitely something worth monitoring. A lot of two and a halfs out there right now. So make sure you check on Betstamp to find the best line available. And I'll actually remove all doubt for you guys. My sister lives in Cleveland, about five minute walk from the stadium. So I can get you guys on a nice, healthy weather report on Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> so I got you guys there. Don't worry. There you we'll go. To a very exciting matchup. The final game on the Saturday slate, the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo coming off a slugfest against the New York Jets in a tight game that may not have seemed, may not have been as tight as the final score. And Miami, they were, for, for better or for worse, exposed on primetime against the Chargers on Sunday night. Right now, the Buffalo Bills are sitting at seven and a half point favorites, a total of 43, 43 and a half, depending where you're looking. And the big news to look out for in Miami is whether or not Tyreek Hill will be playing in this game. He's questionable with a knee and an ankle. So it's very, uh, very big piece of the Dolphins offense. We'll go to you, Hitman. Talk to me. Dolphins, Bills, which way are you looking on this one? It's another game that you really have to handicap the weather. And just before we came on, you know, this total was 42 across, painted across the board, 42. And it wasn't just a move to 43 and a half where like, oh, it ticked up to 42 and a half to 43. Like I was watching the screen as it happened. Literally instantly, every single book was getting slammed to 43. Then it 
inched up to 43 and a half at a lot of places right now. So I know there was a report earlier today. Uh, Peter Schrager was saying, oh, my, my meteorologist in Buffalo says the snow effect or lake effect snow, and it's going to be really bad and all that. And then this move towards the over came. So I don't know if somebody has a better, more accurate weather report. I don't know what you're seeing, T.A., but I'm no. seeing the wind is going to be a factor, not like a crazy, not unplayable factor, but the wind will be a factor and that there'll be a little bit of snow during this game. But um, I think rightfully the Dolphins, you know, from a pure power rating number, I think they're getting disrespected. But in this weather I think that there's been an adjustment to Miami being forced to play in this weather. And I think the adjustments warranted because we know one thing about Tua, he does not have the strongest arm. He's going to, he's going to have to throw to throw to receivers that are wide open a lot of times. And he really struggles to drive the ball, especially outside the numbers. And this is the elements that you're going to, it's going to be tough for a guy like him. So I think that suits Josh Allen a lot better. So Long story short, for props, totals, all that, I think you monitor the weather. And I'm not opposed to Buffalo in a teaser. Quick question I have you on this hit, man. So considering how the Chargers defended the Dolphins on Sunday night, a lot more pressure in the face of these receivers, throw off some of the timing, how much does that also affect your handicap considering there is somewhat of a blueprint now on maybe how to slow down Miami's offense? Yeah, I mean, I think Mike McDaniel is a pretty good coach. I think pretty highly of him, and he has tremendous weapons. So I think, I think they're going to be able to make adjustments, to be honest. But I think that the weather, it, that's the bigger factor with me being anti-Miami's offense, is if you've watched, like, watch Tua last year when he played the Titans, I believe it was, in a, rain, in a driving yeah. rainstorm. Like, he could not throw the ball. And – so he's not the most physically gifted quarterback in the entire, in the league. So it's just a situation. I think that um, this Dolphins offense, they really put a lot onto his shoulders as far as they don't run the ball often. They're throwing it all over the yard and it's going to be a game that I just don't know how successful two is going to be. Very understandable considering that lack of arm strength and the potential for heavy winds, rain and sleet in Buffalo. Talk to me, T.A. I view in this Dolphins Bills game. Yeah, I use uh, I use this Dark Sky app, which, by the way, is going to go away in a few weeks. Unfortunately, it's it's as reliable as I've seen uh, from a weather perspective. And um, I'm looking actually um, looks like light snow until about five o'clock. Then it's just overcast. So uh, I think the snow, at least as of today, and again we've got a few days. Um, I mean, it's hour to hour, so it can change very quickly. doesn't look like it's going to snow during the game, or at least there's not a high probability of that. And the wind is, you know, it's like single digits from a sustained wind. The gust can get to 1920, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, now, again, Tua, it's a big deal because just him being outside in anything that's not perfect um, seems to bother him a little bit because – he doesn't have the most accurate arm and can't go deep very well, you know, in perfect weather. So, you know, that obviously just that slight difference could affect him a little bit more. So I'm not, I'm not sure if the weather um, as a whole is a huge issue, but, you know, I think with, with Tua, you just, you don't need much uh, to slow him down. I, I already have uh, Buffalo in a teaser and I'll, you know, I can talk about the other leg when we get there, but uh, I think Buffalo is going to, I think just getting Buffalo to win is a good, good play. Um, I think some of this number, by the way, is not just the weather. It's 
And it's not just how the Chargers defended them. It's this is a third leg of a back-to-back-to-back road trip for Miami. And it's off of two straight Western, uh, you know, West Coast games. And, you know, again, with the weather, you're going, first of all, you're a Miami team that goes West, plays two warm, warm games. Then you got to fly all the way to the east side, east coast after you come home for a few days and it's going to be freezing. So, you know, your body just doesn't adjust very well. So it's the combination of that and it's a short week. So you've got three straight road games and then the third game is on a short week. Like the NFL really screwed the the, the Dolphins here. Um, this game was supposed to be on a, on Sunday, by the way. So this wasn't supposed to be a Saturday game. Um so that that really is, it could be part of that too. It's just a short week, and it's just a horrible spot. And it's Buffalo getting revenge after that first first uh, uh, matchup where Miami beat them. And it's a game where Buffalo just drove up and down the field. I mean, the yardage numbers were astronomical uh, in favor of Buffalo, and somehow they didn't get the win. So I mean, I think all of those things kind of combined, rolled together, is why you get this this number up over seven. And like I said, I, I think with also the fact that Tyreek's uh, leg injury could, could cause some issues and, you know, Waddle may not be 100% and it's like all those things combined. So I like, you know, I hate laying this many points against an offense like this um, mm-hmm. in division, but I think getting Buffalo just to win in these conditions, I'm, I'm happy with. And understandably so. And like Hitman mentioned, I'm seeing a lot of seven and a half turning to sevens right in front of our eyes as well. And something else to note, is that this total did open at 46. Again, was down at 42, 42 and a half. And just like Hitman said, instantaneously, now you're seeing 43 and a half basically all across the board. So a lot of movement, a lot of things to keep your eye on before taking a wager on this game, whether Tyreek Hill's health. And uh, if Tyreek Hill's not playing, it's looking like a windy day in Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills, certainly in a teaser to just win a football game, might be a great way to look at this matchup. Let's head on over to Sunday, and we'll start with an a and excuse me, an NFC South showdown. New Orleans Saints hosting the Atlanta Falcons. This is a game where the Saints opened at three and a half point favorites, but the line has grown to four, four and a half. Some shops total open forty two now, forty three, forty two and a half. Uh, move different odds there again. Make sure you use bet stamp to find the best odds for whatever bet you're looking for. We'll go back to you here, TA Falcons Saints. How are you looking at this one? Yeah, interesting game. I'm sure a lot of people don't even care about this game, but you know the the NFC South is up for grabs. I think so. Um, you know, uh, and we've talked like me and Hitman have been dying on the on the Saints Hill for a few months now. So I'm not going to get off now. And you know, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup because of the Desmond Ritter situation. You know, Mariota has missed a bunch of deep throw. That's really what they're their biggest issue with him was, is that, you know, they're running the ball well, but you know, when they would ask him to take a deep shot, he was missing guys, but like, it's not as if he's got all these great weapons on the outside to get the ball to. And he does have great legs. He's done a great job in the run game. What's made that run game so unique um, is the scheme, but also the fact that Mariota has that threat of keeping the ball. And so it keeps those linebackers and those edge rushers uh, in check. So having him gone, like to me, my model actually has the Saints at minus four, but that includes Mariota in the lineup. When you take him out, and then obviously that you know you take out the uh, uh, Kyle Pitts because uh, that's you know most of the season uh, season long numbers have had Pitts in there. You know I'm probably closer to six here, so I do like the Saints uh, at anything at under six. And you know I, I I mean I think the market is not factoring in a drop off from Mariota at all, and I just don't, I don't know how you do that 
a guy who's unproven is making his not only his first start, I think it's his first you know drop back, his first action of the season. And it's going to be on the road in the dome in the hostile environment in, in New Orleans. That's a really tough spot. Um, and it's not even just about that. It's he doesn't have a lot of weapons. He doesn't have veteran receivers to go to that can kind of calm him down. And, you know, this is a young team, young offense. He's got Drake London is his only real weapon. And he's a rookie, too. So there's not much to really help him and support him. I watched him play in preseason. He looked pretty good. I will say he really – it was funny. I remember him a couple times, like, just struggling uh, versus pressure. He threw one interception. I think one that got called back because of a penalty. And then I looked it up, and um, out of 70 quarterbacks that were qualified in the preseason, he ranked 65th in PFF grade uh, when he was under pressure. He actually led the NFL in a, with a 17% turnover-worthy play percentage when under pressure. So, you know, and that's preseason. You're talking about backups here. So I expect Dennis Allen um, to really crank things up, um, really throw a bunch of uh, interesting exotic blitzes at him uh, and, and try to rattle him. So I think from that perspective, it's a tough matchup. And I, look, I, I continue to think the Saints are undervalued. Their defense is playing a lot better of late. Um, you know, uh, you saw what they did against Tampa. I mean, Tom Brady can do anything to that last uh, last couple of drives. And, you know, the Falcons are just not a team that, you know, especially with a rookie quarterback that you expect to put up a ton of points right now. And I think defensively they're getting healthier. They may get Marshawn Lattimore back. We'll see after their bye week. You'd hope he'd be ready to play. Um, and then you look at the other side of the ball. I mean, the Falcons defense uh, is pretty terrible, but they haven't played anybody of late who's even a top. They haven't played a top 16 NFL offense since mid-October. Okay. Um, one time they did, and that was the Bears, who, you know, you barely qualified just because it's Justin Fields by himself. Um, and they gave up, you know, 24 points to the Bears at, in that game. Saints are, are probably the best offense they've faced in, in a couple months here. Falcons play a lot of zone defense. Uh, I think the sixth highest rate. Andy Dalton, surprisingly, is third in the NFL in completion percentage against his own. Um, zone coverage, he's 13th in the NFL in yards per attempt. So, you know, I think he'll have some success here. I think the team is healthier. There's They're dead last in pressure rate, the Falcons are. And Andy Dalton, look, when he's had time, he's done a nice job this year. And so I think that the market is not accounting for uh, for the Saints um, just having that good matchup and and not accounting enough, I think, for the drop-off between Mariota and Ritter. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, um, you know, I will dig up what the uh, kind of these first-time quarterbacks start uh, in his rookie season on the road. Uh, see what that number is against the spread. I'd be curious if anybody has that, but um, that's something I'd like to look up. But I think the Saints have value here. Very interesting, very interesting. Talk to me, Hitman. you agree there's some value on New Orleans, or how are you viewing this game? I don't got much of an opinion. Um, the Saints are a team that, yeah, I, I like them the past few weeks as underdogs but with their offense right now i'm not exactly jumping to um delay four four and a half points with them and then um with the ritter thing i don't know i mean i think i think all that ritter does is it brings in a little bit more variance to the falcons i mean marcus Mariota, like he was his over under every single week for pass yards was 160 yards like he just really wasn't getting the job done for them. And, I mean, Ritter is kind of similar to Mariota as far as running ability. He ran a 4-5-2-40, which was the fastest 40 for a quarterback since Mariota at the Combine since 2015. And I know Ritter really struggled under pressure. But the Saints – and it's funny because 
when I think of their personnel, I think that they should be good at rushing the passer, but they're 28th in pressure rate this season. So, I mean, from my perspective, I, I really don't know what the Ritter move is worth. I don't know if it's an upgrade. I don't know if it's a downgrade. I'm kind of just in wait and see with, with it. But with, with that said, I mean, I just – I don't got much on this game. Yeah, especially going against a team that's so run-heavy like Atlanta. Very hard to quantify a quarterback change, especially one that we have not seen whatsoever. Again, knowing a team like Atlanta that is going to try to pound the ball down the opposition's throat. So very interesting, but we have T.A. liking the Saints and seeing value with New Orleans. Hitman passing on this one. Let's go to a big game for postseason implications for both of these teams in different conferences. Detroit Lions heading to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets this weekend. Of course, Detroit in that NFC playoff picture, New York in the AFC playoff picture. And the one big injury that is ha, has to be noted is whether or not Quinn and Williams will suit up for the New York Jets. Jared Goff, a quarterback who does really poorly under pressure. Quinn Williams, one of, if not the best defensive tackle in the NFL at the moment. We'll go to you, Hitman. Lions-Jets with a spread that's been bounced around. Jets open minus one. Now there's some Detroit's minus ones, some PKs, and a total that's dropped from 47.5 to 44.5. How are you doing this game, Hitman? I, I lean towards the Jets. Um, the only thing, and maybe I, maybe I do play them. I just kind of want to see the Mike White, uh, what his status is, and how confident I am in his health. Um, I was getting told by some people that they thought he was going to be out two, three weeks, and that his ribs were were, were beat up. But now it seems like, according if you read like the beat writers and Robert Sala, seems pretty confident that Mike White's going to be out there. And I, I believe I could be wrong. I believe they said that if White doesn't, or if White will likely play, and then Wilson will be the backup instead of Flacco this week. And if that does happen, I mean, Wilson is a clear downgrade from Mike White. So I want to get a little more comfortable with the health of um, of Mike White. But, yeah, lean towards the Jets. Uh, um, Jared Goff, you know, despite the fact that he's having a better year than most anybody really expected, he still has not been good against pressure. And that's been – the stigma on him going back to the Rams is when you pressure him, he's not that great of a quarterback. And the Jets, one thing we know is that they will get pressure and you're going to get him out in that 25 degree weather outdoors. So I think that that's a, a plus for the Jets, but um, long, long way for me to say that as of now I'm passing, but maybe I'll revisit the Jets a little bit later in the week. Certainly understandable. Of course, quarterback health is paramount. And the report was that Wilson is sitting as the back of QB. Of course, we need to see what's going on with Mike White and that beating he took in Buffalo. But talk to me, T.A., how do you view in Lions Jets? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do like the Jets here. And I got some comfort with um, you know him, him being limited today and, and Robert Sala expecting him to play. You know, obviously, if you knew it was 100%, it would feel a lot better. But, you know, this isn't – this isn't an elbow injury. This isn't, you know, some sort of knee injury. Like it's, it, it is ribs and it's just, can you handle the pain? Right. It's going to hurt when he throws, it's going to be hurt in cold weather. It's going to have to wear a flak jacket. But um, I think from that perspective, you know, I, I have better confidence of him playing um, because of that. Right. If it's just pain, if it's a pain issue, I'm, I mean, it's a hundred percent. He's going to play. 
So um, th- that would be my perspective on on the Mike White situation. But I just look at this line, and you know, like I've been back in the the Lions as well lately, and been all over them, and you know, love what they've done. But you know they've covered six straight games here, and like the, the market not only has caught up, has completely flipped. Like let's think about this. So the, uh, it's you know, again, there's been some adjustments, so I get it. But they were getting three points in Chicago like four weeks ago. They were getting two and a half uh, at the Giants the next week after that. Uh, so now they they look good for three weeks at home, and and now they're you know essentially pick them. With a against a much better Jets team than those those Giants and Bears team, it doesn't you know it doesn't jive. Even if you upgrade uh, the Lions to three points, uh, I still think that you know um, you know uh, the Jets are Jets should be upgraded too. And and you know I just don't think that this line is, is telling you that. I think this really should be Jets minus two and a half to three. Um, if you if you want me to be honest, look, the Lions have not faced any real legitimate. You know, tough defenses outside of the you know the one Bills game on uh, uh, on Thanksgiving that they lost. You know, who have they faced? You know, they faced. Here are the defenses in this in the six game cover streak from a defensive EPA standpoint. By the way, the Jets are number two, twenty ninth, thirty first, twenty fifth, thirteenth. Those are the Bills. Twenty fourth, eighteenth. Okay, um, when they played outdoors those two times, it was against the Giants and the Bears, two of the worst defenses in the NFL. Um, and they should have lost that that Bears game, if you remember. Uh, the, the Bears were dominating the whole game. Justin Fields threw a pick six, and then they scored a touchdown late, and, and the Bears missed the extra point, so that's how they won. And so, like, I just think that this is a big, big-time step up from a defensive standpoint. It's not even close. You know, we saw the two other teams that were ranked top five in defensive EPA that they faced was that Dallas game where they scored six points and the Patriots where they got shut out both on the road, like not saying that's going to happen here because, you know, they were missing some pieces on offense, but I do not expect uh, Jared Goff to just, you know, be comfortable back there and be able to pick apart this defense. And let's not forget Robert Sala, uh, when he was with the Niners, has a history with Jared Goff. Those guys, you know, they face each other a bunch of times. And the last, uh, well, Jared Goff's two worst games of, his, you know, not since his, uh, not in his career, but since 2017. Okay, that's when Salah took over um, as Niners defensive coordinator. His two worst games both came against Salah and the Niners, um, and he completed 13 of 24 for 78 yards. Took four sacks in one of those games. The other game, he was 19 of 31, 198 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, two sacks. He got absolutely destroyed in those two games. Those are two worst EPA games of his career. So I think that obviously Salah has the blueprint um, and just as good of a defense or maybe better now than he had with the Niners back then. So I think the matchup stinks for for Goff uh, for this offense. I think that, you know, if White's able to play, and I'm assuming he's going to play, I think they'll be able to put up enough points against this. You know, Lions defense has played better, but they just gave up, what, 400 yards to Kirk Cousins? It was Kirk Cousins' best game of, of the season from an EPA perspective. Like, there are definitely holes here still on this team. As much as I like the Lions, I think this is a, a really bad spot. I think you're, you're you're essentially selling high on Detroit after this, you know, long cover streak. And, um, you know, it'd be great to have Quinn and Williams there. If he's not, I, I'm still fine with it because the defense is still really good. But if he's there, then I absolutely think this – 
this actually could be a potential alt line um, if you're looking at some some kind of outlier, uh, you know, outcomes here for the Jets. But I, I do like the Jets overall. There you have it. A lean from Hitman on the Jets and T.A. strongly supporting New York and understandably so. Uh, the Detroit Lions have been super hot. And, like, I love how you put that a potential sell-high opportunity on Detroit. Moving on to a game that is not expected to be so exciting, the Houston Texans hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs coming off an ugly win against the Denver Broncos where they dominated that first half, but then they let Russell Wilson and the Broncos creep back into that football game. And the Texans did their best to shut down the Cowboys. However, that fell short as Houston ended up losing that game. Kansas City opened as a 14-point favorite. Haven't seen much movement at all. Still sitting at KC minus 14. Total has crept up from an open of 47 to 49, 49 and a half. Back to you here, T.A. Chiefs, Texans. You laying those points? You taking those points or are you staying away? I No, I want no part of this game either way. Um, you know, we saw with Mahomes and, and the Chiefs, when they lay a big number, historically, they've been really bad. I think Mahomes has only covered one time in his career when he's been favored by at least seven points. But I also want no interest in this Houston team. I know that what they did last week, they, they needed a couple of turnovers, a, put, a punt, a muff punt um, to even, you know, be in that game. You can't rely on that again. You know, Mahomes just always shows up. It's not like the Dallas offense that might may or may not show up like last week. Um, but I also don't want to lay so many points because the Kansas City defense isn't very good. Uh, so and no Damian Pierce for, for Houston, Nico Collins and, Brandon Cooks did not practice yet, so I don't. I have no idea how, how this game is going to go. I'll probably have zero exposure, on, you know, in anything um, with a game like this. So, uh, no opinion for me here. Understandably so. Hitman Chiefs Texans. How are you viewing this one? Bet Patrick Mahomes two to one to win MVP. That's nothing, <laughs> uh, the play that I like as far as Chiefs goes. I don't have much in this game. Understandably so. Huge spread. Uh, Texas team. You don't want to back Chiefs team sometimes a little bit tough to back as huge favorites. Obviously the very team in that game. So one of those matchups you might just want to stay away from. And moving to another game that you probably just want to stay away from. The Chicago Bears hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles coming off a win at MetLife Stadium where they absolutely dismantled the New York Giants. The Bears had a bye week last week and Justin Fields was sick. And he is questionable for the game. Actually looking like probable, but Something to keep an eye on for the Chicago Bears is Fields' health. Lined open at Philly minus nine and a half, but it's actually dropped to nine, eight and a half some spots. The total sitting pretty at 48 and a half at most shops. Talk to me, Hitman. Eagles, Bears, do you have any exposure here? Um, another game I'm going to monitor the weather. I feel like I've said that with a lot of games this week, but it's going to be really cold and some stadiums are going to have some wind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to monitor the weather in this game. Not I will say that these teams are equipped to handle the weather a little better better than normal teams because they're, they're the Eagles, we know they can run the ball. Their quarterback can run the ball. Chicago, we know they can run. We know that Fields is going to run a lot. So I will say that, but maybe a, maybe a look towards the under depending on the weather. That, that, that's that probably the only play on a side of total that I might have in this game. Completely understand. Yeah, talk to me. How are you viewing the Eagles-Bears game? So this is the other leg of my teaser with Buffalo. Now, I did get it when it was at 8.5, so I was able to get the Philly minus 2.5 here. There, you know, he said there's 9 in some spots, so you could wait 
Um, otherwise, if it doesn't ever get back down, you know, you could do a six and a half or seven point teaser. I'd rather not. But I think like if there are teams, if I'm going to tease uh, and pay a little extra juice, I know it's not a it's a positive. It's not a positive EV play, but it depends who that team is, right? Like I'm not doing it with the Packers, you know, against the Rams. I'm not doing it with a sub 500 team. I'd be doing it with, you know, the Eagles here. Uh, I feel pretty confident they're going to win this game. Uh, I, I mean, there's definitely reasoning to think that they could just destroy the Chicago team. Uh, That's what they do. I don't see as that much of a difference between this game and last week's game from a matchup perspective. Let me tell you how bad this bears defense is. And I've been fading them. I've been taking overs. Um, ever since they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. Their EPA on defense is week eight. And this is a significant sample at this point. This isn't like one or two games. They are so far last that the gap between them and number 31 Giants is the same as number 31 Giants and number eight Colts. That's how far down they are at number 32. They are absolutely atrocious. Uh, They... The one time they actually faced, I mean, they played teams like Atlanta and the Packers that aren't, you know, aren't really moving the ball as, as well as they normally do. Um, so it's not, and they played the Lions. It's not like they're playing, you know, juggernauts here. Um, and they played the Jets in a driving rainstorm, right? And put up 31. Now that when they faced Dallas, probably the best offense they faced, Dallas put up almost 50 on them, could not be stopped. I, th- I see a very similar outcome here. Um, and let's not forget, Hitman just mentioned Mahomes two to one, right? To win MVP. Philly wants to get Hertz the MVP. I can see them just airing it out a lot because the one thing they do well, this is a very analytically sound front office. And what they do so well, unlike some other teams in the NFL, is you know, they don't just um take whatever their their normal game plan is and just apply it no matter who they're they're going up against. They're very matchup based. If you're gonna be if you're a great run defense like the Titans were a couple weeks ago, number one in the NFL, well, we're not going to run it. We're just going to throw all over your, your terrible secondary, and they destroyed them. Um, you know, when they play Washington or when they play, you know, last week the Giants. Giants could not stop the run, one of the worst in the NFL. They didn't have Leonard Williams, so they ran all over them, over 250 yards of, of run offense. So, like, I can see them just saying, look, the Bears' run defense isn't nearly as bad as their – I mean, their pass defense is the one that's really killing them. I could just see them saying, we're just going to throw all day, get Jalen Hurts' MVP um, <laughs> ticket. Like that, I could totally see that happening. I just don't know how the Bears are going to stop this offense. Uh, they haven't stopped anybody. So why is this going to be any different uh, outside of turnovers? I mean, last week we saw the Giants were 30, uh, 31st in the NFL in early down defense. Um, uh, from an EPA standpoint, the Bears are 29th. Philly's number one on offense. They can do whatever they want uh, early and often. It's just a matter of how, you know, when do they uh, put uh, press the pause button and is it enough to get Justin Fields some cheapies and, you know, at the end of the game and, and cover a big number like that? I'm not going to worry about it. Just give me them, you know, in a teaser. I'll be happy just for them to win. Um, I would look at their team total over as well. Uh, if it's under 30, I might attack that. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I, I just think it's going to be a bloodbath from a, from a matchup perspective, I don't see any way that uh, that Chicago is going to slow them down. It's just a matter of what what Justin Fields and that offense will do for me. So um, I like them in a teaser, pay a little extra juice. It's okay. Um, you know, you're not doing it with a sub 500 team. You're doing it with with the, maybe the two best teams in the NFL and Philly and Buffalo. So I'm okay with that. 
understandably. And right now that team total is sitting at 28 and a half for the Eagles. Yeah. So have potentially an angle there. And Philadelphia also a team that doesn't really play with their food. They take it directly to opponents, whether they're decent opponents, bad opponents. They come out fast, they come out hard, and they play good football. So definitely like that teaser angle from UTA. Let's move on to another matchup, the Carolina Panthers hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Carolina, again, ran the ball down the Seahawks' throat to get that road win. And the Steelers coming off a tough loss at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh Steelers' rookie first-round pick quarterback, is questionable with concussion. And Mitch Trubisky would be in line to make the start if Pickett is unavailable. This line has actually grown a little bit as well. It opened at Carolina minus one, seeing a lot of two-and-a-halves and threes mostly actually now. This total, understandably low, sitting at around 37 and a half. Talk to me, TA. Steelers, Panthers, what are you looking at in this matchup? Yeah, Carolina's been one of my favorite teams to back uh, as of late, but I will not back them here. I think this is full price. You know, we did – it was sitting at two and a half, and then there was a release um, by someone who was influential in the market, and it got it up to three at some spots. It's probably the right spot, right number. Uh, you know, whether – I don't know. Do you, is there a difference in value between Pickett and Trubisky? We talked about this yesterday. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that each guy has their own qualities um, and, and negatives. So I, I don't really price them that much differently. So either way, it doesn't really affect my personal opinion on this game. Uh, I just, I don't want to lay, I don't want to need margin with Sam Darnold uh, against a, a Mike Tomlin defense. Um, at the same time, I, I don't have faith in, you know, uh, either Trubisky or, or Pickett going up against a Carolina defense, by the way, which is the maybe the most underrated defense in the NFL. They locked up Geno in that offense. Their their secondary is great. J.C. Horn's an awesome corner. They just man you up, and they've got athletic linebackers, and they got Brian Burns around the edge. So they've got some they got some good defensive pieces there. So I don't think Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is going to do too much on offense either way. So um, like I, I'm just going to stay away from this game. I would not tease. By the way, people are going to want to tease Pittsburgh. I wouldn't. I know, like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to take Carolina with margin, but there's scenarios just like that Denver game a couple weeks ago. Carolina blew them out. Um, this could be a twenty to ten game. I, I don't. I don't feel comfortable um, even taking Pittsburgh on a tease. So just you know, that's just my personal opinion here. Very interesting, Hitman. You agree or how are you viewing this one? I like Pittsburgh plus three. Um, one thing like people are talking about: oh, Sam Darnold's now the quarterback, and he's playing better for the Panthers and everything like no their quarterback play is still terrible and the only thing is in their last two games they've run the ball uh, on um, or they've thrown the ball on 37 percent of their passes just to put that in context Atlanta which everybody talks about like oh Arthur Smith hates our fantasy teams all they do is run way too much they had a 47 percent pass rate so the Panthers I mean they're running the ball Every single play, it's just not a, um, a an offense that I think is built to get any type of margin. I mean, you could just say, say it out loud. Like, you're going to ask Sam Darnold and the most conservative offense in the NFL to win the game by four or more if you're laying three with the Panthers. I mean, I just – I don't think it's a team built to win by margin. You look at last week, the look-ahead line on this was Pittsburgh – minus three and now we have a complete flip to where Pittsburgh's getting three and I mean I don't know if we can just disrespect Pittsburgh and market off of last week I mean think about it a few weeks ago they played the Colts I know 
lot of sharp guys were on them at plus two and a half. There was, so there was market support for them there. And then there was a lot of market support for them against Atlanta. They closed, I believe, one-point favorites in Atlanta. And then last week, you had the game against Baltimore where they won the stats and without some red zone turnovers, like they're going to win that game. And now we've went to the fact that two weeks ago, like I said, they're laying one in Atlanta and now you're getting three in Carolina. I mean, I just think that these are two close to equal teams and with home field advantage being worth one and a half, two-ish or something for the Panthers. I think at, at plus three, Pittsburgh is the direction I'm looking at. Very interesting. A little bit of conflicting opinions there. Nothing official for TA or Hitman, but a lean for the Panthers for we can call it official. I'll take the Steelers plus three. Oh, wow. There we go. Pittsburgh Steelers plus the three. Very interesting. We will talk about that next week and uh, see how that one pans out. Moving on to a, certainly a very exciting game, the last game on the 1 p.m. slate, the Jaguars hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Jackson laid it on the Titans last week and pulled off a huge win, while the Cowboys, again, uh, took a took all 60 minutes but were able to somehow get past the Houston Texans when they played very, very poorly. This is a game that opened at Dallas minus six and a half. That's creeped all the way down to four, some four and a half, even one five still available. And this total sitting at 47 and a half. Talk to me, Hitman. Cowboys, Jaguars. What do you think of that line movement? And how are you viewing this game? I think a lot of it's due to Dallas having injuries. They have the injury to Terrence Steele. They have the secondary injuries. But with that said, Jacksonville, they've been such a high variance team. This year, I mean, I'm not opposed to, to betting on or against them because they've been high, high variance. I know TA, TA and I, I think we both teased Jacksonville against Detroit, got the absolute yeah. crap kicked out of us. <laughs> and, and I really like that teaser. And then, um, then I think TA and I both played Jacksonville against Tennessee. They kicked the crap out of Tennessee. It's been such a Jekyll. And then the week before the Detroit game, they, they come back and beat Baltimore. It's been such a Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, I mean, I, I'll lean towards Jacksonville because of the, the Dallas injuries and just the fact that Lawrence has just absolutely been balling. He, he kind of reminds me, Lawrence, of a not-as-good version of Justin Herbert where he doesn't have the same arm strength and like just comp- physical arm, the arm talent that Herbert has, but – he makes a lot of big boy NFL throws that does Trevor Lawrence. So I, I do like his trajectory going forward, but I'll just call it a lean towards Jacksonville. Yeah. Lawrence's progression has been absolutely, absolutely amazing to watch. Great to see him trying, finally finding his form after that rookie season that was bogged down by urban Meyer and all those terrible things that are happening in Jacksonville. But talk to me, TA, do you agree it's a lean toward Jacksonville or how are you viewing this matchup? No, I, I've seen um, smart people on both sides, and I know it's you know kind of the the trendy sharp side in quotes is to take Jacksonville here. Um, I don't, I, and I think some of that is because of how Dallas looked last week. But I don't really care. I, I've always said I don't actually care what happened the prior week from a, a close win or a blowout loss. Like that doesn't affect how I view these teams. So that doesn't bother me. Yeah, and I was on Jacksonville last week. Actually, had the money line as well, so it was probably my largest exposure. 
in that hit, but they they needed a couple of major turnovers by the Titans uh, to come out to that big lead. You know, uh, Houston or sorry, Tennessee was moving the ball, and Derrick Henry got had a fumble, and there was another fumble, so that really helped things. But you know, this is a big step up again uh, defensively uh, with Dallas, and again there are some injuries, so that, that is a concern, especially in the secondary. I think there'll be a lot of points. Um, you know, I, I haven't touched the over yet, but that's something that I would, um, you know, I'm going to consider. I, this Jacksonville defense, um, they're much better against the run than the pass, but they are atrocious uh, defending the pass. Um, they're 31st in the NFL since week 10. When you look at uh, drop back EPA, they don't tackle well at all. So there's a lot of yards after the catch here. Um, when you look at CD lamb and, and even Tony Pollard out of the backfield. So, I think that I think Dallas. There, there are definitely scenarios where Dallas could just roll it up on them. Um, but I mean, I think you know Trevor Lawrence has proven himself good enough to to be able to put up some points. So I, I think there is some value in in the over. Like I said, I haven't taken it yet, but I, I just want to stay away from the side. I, I don't like. I would have rather have had Dallas kind of blow out the Texans, um, and you know this line sit at like six and a half, and then I take Jacksonville, but. I think all, a lot of that kind of uh, you know worrisome um, kind of information is already baked into this line uh, after last week. I think that Dallas is not going to look ahead. I know people are talking about this being a look ahead to the to the Eagles showdown the next week. They got to win this game, or that showdown doesn't mean anything because they're going to be three games back. And after last week's close call, I, I think I don't think they're going to look ahead. So I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be entertaining, but uh, I think it'll be a decent amount of points. Uh, I just don't want to play either side here understandably so a should be an exciting game should be high high scoring so definitely keep an eye on that jaguars cowboys matchup moving on to the 405 p.m slate the denver broncos hosting the arizona cardinals in a game that might have the least amount of viewership of any game this nfl sunday the broncos right now laying two and a half or three points depending where you look at home against the cardinals of course, Kyler Murray out for the season, and it is a Colt McCoy show for the rest of the year. An understandably low total of 36 points, and also not to mention Russell Wilson in concussion protocol. Unsure if he'll be able to play for the Denver Broncos. We'll go back to UTA. Cardinals, Broncos, maybe a Vance Joseph revenge game. How do you view in this one? Yeah, really not a lot of interest just because there's too many too much uncertainty with the quarterback situation with Denver and um Obviously not, and now we've got the GM situation with with Arizona. He's taking a medical leave, and you know Cliff Kingsbury could be a uh, lame duck head coach. And you know they they got the kind of the gut punch with the Kyler Murray injury. So there's a lot of motivational. I mean, Denver has nothing to play for. There's just a ton of motivational question marks here. I think you know Colt McCoy will always show up. Like I think he cares, um, but you know against that defense, that's a tough ask. So I, I'm, you know, if this gets, if this is a full three, I would at least, you know, if you're talking about pick and pools and things like that, I would, I would definitely take Arizona, but from putting full money, I, I don't really have an interest here. What about you hit Hitman? How are you viewing this one? Yeah, I don't got much either. Um, one thing I'll say is Colt McCoy behind this offensive line. It was one thing when Kyler Murray was behind an offensive line missing I think four starters right now is one thing because Murray could run. But Colt McCoy right now is just a sitting duck in the pocket for Arizona. But then with that said, look at the offensive injuries to Denver with their offensive line, Cortland Sutton, 
Uh, Kendall Hinton is in the concussion protocol. Obviously, Javante Williams, Russell Wilson. I know it's a low total, but I think I could maybe just a, a lean towards the under. But ultimately, I probably end up don't. I'm probably not going to end up betting much in this game. Yeah, understandably so. Again, one of the less exciting games on the slate. So could be a one to just ignore that's even happening on this Sunday. I don't think those players even want to be in that matchup. But moving on to a very interesting game, a couple of storylines postseason and also some coaching tree storylines. The Las Vegas Raiders are hosting the New England Patriots this weekend. Of course, Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, a longtime offensive coordinator for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And right now, again, another line that's kind of flipping. It opened at Patriots minus one. Still a bunch of Patriots minus ones out there. Some Raiders minus ones, some PKs, a total of 44 and a half. Talk to me, Hitman. How are you viewing this Belichick versus an old coordinator rivalry? And do you think uh, that that plays a factor into this game and your handicapping of it? Not much. Um, Obviously, these two teams, they know each other. They know each other well, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think New England monitored the injury report with Jacoby Myers. Ramondre Stevenson would be a big loss if he doesn't play in this game. Then check if Damian Harris is playing. But um, And then the Raiders, you have their injuries. You have Darren Waller. Is he going to be back? Is Hunter Renfro going to be back? You know, finally, this Raiders offense would have all the pieces back from, from what their offseason projection was with Waller, Renfro, and Adams. And Jacobs with him absolutely balling out so far. But ultimately, it, it probably is a game, another game that I just don't have much interest in. Maybe look at some Mac Jones over props. I know that last week, when, and, and this is um, assuming that Stevenson and Harris maybe don't play, but last week when they had their running back injuries, they were pretty throw heavy in that game. And Mac Jones, I know there was the whole argument with him and Patricia about the, the short game sucks, throw the ball. I mean, he did have some deeper targets, especially to Hunter Henry down the seams. So maybe we'll, we look at some Mac Jones uh, passing overs. But as far as the game's con- concerned, don't got much. Understood. T.I., talk to me. How do you see in this one? Yeah, someone who had Matt Jones over attempts on Monday night, I did like to see that. So that hit pretty easily. Um, but I actually think the over has got some uh, merit here. As long as those guys are healthy, um, at least it's not over the top uh, from, from an injury perspective. You know, Matt Jones has actually played pretty well when you consider when he plays in, in a dome environment or against a bad defense. Like he's actually done pretty well. Uh, they put up some points. Obviously, that's the situation here. The Raiders are 25th in pressure rate. Um, they're one of the worst in the NFL from a pass defense standpoint. Uh, so I think they're going to be able to move the ball uh, and they're going to be able to score. You know, they've got enough weapons right now uh, to put up some points. It would be, like I said, uh, make sure that either Myers or Devontae Parker's playing because then it's just, you know, Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne uh, at receiver. And so that would hurt things. So, you know, I would wait, but uh, I do think this is con- conducive for an over. So not only that, I think on the other side of the, the ball, uh, you know, I've talked about it. I talked about this last week with the, or two weeks ago when, when the, uh, the Pats played, played Buffalo on that Thursday night, you know, the Pats defense, even though they're ranked number one in all these advanced metrics, completely over, overinflated because of what they do to the bad offenses that they face and the bad quarterbacks. 
just completely annihilate them, makes their numbers look a lot better than they really are against actually competent quarterbacks and offenses. They've been very average, very mediocre. So, um, you know, in this case, I think Derek is in that, that category. We saw Justin Jefferson lit up this defense. Um, you know, it, they could not stop him. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if Adams has the same success here. And I just think that there's a decent amount of points scored here. Six straight Raiders home games have, have at least scored 45 total points. The over is hit in five of the last six going back to the last year at home. You know, I just think that there's, you know, these te- Derek Carr just plays better at home in general. And again, because of the, the, the kind of the dome environment, no wind, you know, Mac Jones in this offense gets, I think they get hurt by the fact that they're playing outdoors in these windy conditions all the time between uh, New York, Buffalo, uh, uh, and Foxborough, right? Like they're just always playing in these, these kind of uh, ugly, uh, you know, cold, windy games. So, you know, they're not nearly as, as poor of an offense based on that um, when they get in a situation like this. So uh, I think the offense or the over has some merit here. And it, it doesn't include, I mean, we could get Renfro and Waller back. That's just cherry on top for the Raiders. Um, even if they don't they both you know, sit, uh, I still like it, but getting both guys back or even one of them would be, would be even extra sweet. Definitely, definitely would be great for the sport of football and also for the Raiders' outlook in this game if Renfro and Waller, two good players, are back in action for Las Vegas. Moving on to one of the better matchups on the Sunday slate, the Tennessee Titans headed to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. A very important matchup for both of these teams as the Titans want to maintain their AFC South lead. Chargers, of course, in that wild card hunt. Los Angeles Chargers opened as two and a half point favorites, now sitting mostly threes across the board. Total open at 45, now up to 47, 47 and a half. TI, talk to me. Titans, Chargers, what are you looking at in this game? Yeah, I'm looking at the back the Chargers here. And um, I just think that with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and that offense, like they're, they've, they haven't played much together, like two and a half games, maybe total. It's a top five offense since when they play, they could throw the ball. The Titans really struggle uh, defending the pass, and they've got tons of injuries. We talked about this last week. Jacksonville threw all over them, and th- those injuries aren't getting any better. All those corners have not practiced this week that were out last week. Um, and Danico Autry, I think he was limited today. You know, that would help them, but, he, you know, who knows if he's going to play or even be healthy. Like, this defense is just a shell of themselves, and the only thing they do well is they stop the run, and the Chargers don't care. They won't even run the ball. They won't even try. So I could see Herbert. You talk about props. Like I would take every, I would take a look at every over with Herbert um, from an attempt standpoint, especially because I think he's just going to air it out. They're not going to worry about running the ball. Uh, and you know everyone's going to say, "Oh, Derrick Henry can run the ball against this Chargers defense," but you know this is not a good. I mean, contrary to popular belief, this Titans offense is not a good run offense. Look at all their numbers. They're not even like in the top half of the NFL. They're more like bottom 10 from an efficiency standpoint. Now, Derrick Henry will break off a random big run here or there, but he's been held in check in general uh, this year. So this isn't the same Titans offense that we've seen in the past. Their offensive line really does struggle uh, to protect. So, you know, uh, I think there's a chance that Joey Bosa, uh, I know he's going to be activated off the IR. There's a chance he, he can play. Uh, we'll see what happens. That'd be, again, another bonus. Derwin James has not practiced yet, but, you know, he could come back. I know Bryce Callahan. There's a couple other guys that might come back. So I, I it's a little square, and I'm okay with that because I just don't believe uh, anymore in this Titans team. I think their kind of mirage season where this has been a year and a half now of this 
is starting to rear its ugly head. They're starting to turn the ball over when they weren't in the past. They're not converting in the red zone as nearly as much as they were in the past. And those are the things that would help, you know, essentially made them look better than their numbers actually were. So um, uh, I like the Chargers here. Chargers for TA. Hitman, you viewing this game similarly or are you looking at it in, in a different light? Chargers for Hitman as well. Give, give me the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, I can't add much. The, the Titans secondary is so bad right now. If the corner injuries, you have the injuries to David Long. Jeffrey Simmons is not 100%. Danico Autry could be out for this game. We, we know that the Titans are the number one pass funnel in the league. Herbert should have – Herbert should throw all over this team with Mike Williams now back in the fold. They really have a really good one, two, three, four, five pass catchers with uh, Williams, Allen, um, Everett, Eckler, and who, who am I missing? Palmer. Josh Palmer. Palmer. Exactly. It had a brain fart there. But, um, yeah, and then on the other side, I mean, obviously we know that the Titans are going to run for some yards. They're, they're, it's a good matchup for the Titans' run game against a terrible run defense. But, I mean, the Titans' offense, they've scored on 29% of their drives this season. It's only better than the Broncos. They're averaging 26 yards per drive, only ahead of the Texans. This is not a good offense. And I'm just going to say it. This roster sucks. <laughs> I know, like, if we were if we were to play, like, Madden against each other or something, like, who the hell wants the Titans roster? They just don't have good play there. They can run the ball because Derrick Henry's really good, even though he's been struggling the past month or so. But their offensive line isn't good. Their receivers, especially if Burks misses this game, aren't good. Ryan Tannehill is an average quarterback. The defensive personnel sucks. And they're kind of a just a better version of the Giants to where their coaching is really good and they've overachieved for a long time. But – I just think that the Chargers have too many matchup edges, edges, and as you said, Chargers getting guys back defensively. I I think the Chargers minus three is a good bet. Chargers minus three, both TA and Hitman agreed on this game, and understandably so. Should be a great game in Los Angeles. Moving on to another potentially great game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who of course have had a horrific, a horrific season, are now hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense really heating up. That defense has been good all season long. But something to monitor from the Cincinnati front is injuries to T. Higgins, who played just one snap last week. He's been out with a hamstring issue. And now Tyler Boyd, their number three receiving option, has a broken finger. So he is doubtful for this matchup against Tampa Bay. And despite all of their flaws and their issues this year, this line's still sitting pretty solidly. Open Bengals minus three and a half, sitting really three and a half all across the board. Total has jumped up from 41 and a half to 44 in most shops. Talk to me, Hitman. Bengals, Bucks. What do you like in this one? I think the line's about right. Um, you know, I was playing some Cincinnati on the look ahead at minus two and a half. I thought that number was wrong. And it's funny, even with the injuries to the Bengals with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, we, we still have this big of an adjustment, but, but I think it's warranted. Uh, I think that the, the line is, is spot on in this game. What are you thinking here, TA? I'm just, I'm sitting, waiting in the weeds, listening to all the, everybody nationally talk, you know, talk about how bad the, the Bucks are and how Cincinnati's is an easy win and they're Super Bowl contenders and 
just going to wait and wait and wait until this thing ticks as high as possible, and then I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm the only one on earth on the Bucks, and I'll be perfectly happy to back Tom Brady against this against Cincinnati team that could be without Boyd, Higgins, and Trey Hendrickson, and Mike Hilton, and no one cares, and I don't understand that. Look, if they all play, sure. Yeah, this line should be three and a half, four. I mean, I, I, as a Browns fan, I watched them. They beat the Browns because they kept singling Jamar Chase and didn't do anything to help him uh, defensively. But the Bengals were not the same offense. And Tampa's still a good defense. They were embarrassed last week. I mean, you look historically, 28-point um, uh, losses or worse. If you are if you lose by 28-plus and then are a home dog the next week, and home dog, like significant home dog over a field goal, those typically cover – those are at near 60% hit rate uh, going back to 1999. We're talking about a 75-game sample. Like, I love – I talk about I don't care what happened the prior week. This is a perfect example. Like, I get it. The Bucks aren't as good as everybody thinks. But for to be three-and-a-half to four-point home dogs, I'm I'm just going to wait. Hopefully the the market continues to drive this up. You know, if I if I could get a full four, I don't I haven't seen it yet. Um, strongly consider putting, putting something down. If it gets a four and a half, even, you know, uh, it's fine too, but, uh, but that's what I'm doing. And, um, like I said, it, it might go against me if, if Higgins and uh, Boyd end up playing and Hendrickson, you know, mir- mir- miraculously plays. I, I Hendrickson's otherwise, not is he definitely out? I, yeah. I saw he's limited. Okay. Yeah. Like he this defense isn't that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they could put a, they could put a, a club on it, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to be affected either way. Like, he's not the same guy. He is the key to that defensive front. So they're not going to get a lot of pressure. They don't have a good secondary to begin with. Mike Hilton is their best uh, slot corner. They already lost Awuzie. You're telling me, like, Tampa's not going to be able to at least get some sort of offense on this team? I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand the rush to to get to, Joe, uh, to back uh, Cincinnati here. I mean, I understand why because they've played so well. But, you know, this is a huge jump from the look at I think it's a complete overreaction to what happened to Tampa last week. So anyway, uh, we'll see. I haven't, haven't come in yet, but uh, and I'll probably sprinkle a little money line just because you know that's what I do when when I get a when I get an underdog at this level from kind of three to six, three to seven points. I always sprinkle the underdog too, and um, on the money line. So I'll probably do that here. Understandably, so a very exciting game, and we shall see how that line ends up moving. Again, three and a half across the board, but. If there is some support for the Bengals, it might be the time to go the opposite way and take the Buccaneers. Two games left, two primetime games. Before we hop into that, just wanted to remind all the listeners out there, if you are starving for more NFL content, you could check out the Forward Progress YouTube channel. We have a ton of great NFL content, including UFC commentator John Anik and his twin brother Jason Anik on our show called Anik Square, where they break down a bunch of topics. Also, Pat Mayo Experience and crew have a futures competition going on as well as more live content, including the Anytime Touchdown Show with our favorite Anytime Touchdown Bets from the Hammer Betting Network and the Pizza Buffet hosted by Rob Pizzola at 11 a.m. on Sunday, where Rob takes a look at the board to see if there's any last-minute value left as well. And that is our flagship show on Forward Progress where Rob and Clive, another show actually, this is a show that goes at 10.30 p.m., where Rob and Clive break down the previous week, talk about what happened, and project some of the look-ahead and upcoming opening lines for the week ahead. So if you're looking for more content, look at us at Forward Progress on YouTube and Forward NFL on Twitter. Really appreciate that. But let's get into one of the biggest games on the slate in terms of playoff implications. This game was flexed to primetime, and you guys know I'm excited to sell for this one. The Washington Commanders coming off that bye week, 
hosting the New York Giants, who they just tied two weeks ago. We're also coming off not only just a huge loss to the Eagles last week, but just one of the worst four to six week stretches of really any team so far this season. Washington opened as four point favorites and the market seems to have supported them four and a half, five at some shops for Washington. This total sitting low at 40 and a half, understandably so, given how both these two teams play. Some injury news to note, the commanders might have Chase Young back, but he's, he practiced a little bit today, but still limited. Also, again, going back to TA's point earlier about teams off buys, this could be a situation where Washington, who was one of the hottest teams in the NFL, the buy actually might have been worse for them in their focus and you know some of these guys going on vacation. But either way, crime time game, playoff spot on the line. We'll go to you here, TA, Commanders, Giants. What are you looking at in this matchup? Unfortunately for you, sorry, I got nothing here. <laughs> I think um, people are going to want to jump on the Giants, but I just, they're just, look, uh, they play well above their, their expectation and, and they're just so banged up. Um, you know, if you look at the line, how it closed the first time around, it was what, two and a half Washington in New York. So mm-hmm. this line is probably right. And so I don't, I'm just not going to get involved. It's it's hard to create margin with, with Tyler Heineke in this offense, um, but I also don't want the the Giants really at all. They're just <laughs> they're just getting bl- when they lose or getting destroyed. Um, you know they've lost by double digits how many times in the last month? So I just don't want any piece of uh, of either side honestly right now. What do you think about this game, Hitman? <sighs> yeah, uh, Washington's not a team that I love asking to win by margin uh, a ton. Because when Heineke, they're just not asking Heineke to throw the ball much. They're they're so run heavy. Their passing volume is extremely low, and it's not like the Giants are going to force them to to get into a pass heavy game script. I think. So I just expect a lot of running. I mean, obviously, I obviously with the spread. I, I mean, obviously, I think Washington wins the game, but I think that the the, the line has just gotten to be too much to where it's on the number. So yeah, for me, it's a pass also. Interesting. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that I do lean the New York Giants to cover the spread as a commanders fan. I just knowing our team and how things go, the Giants always play us well and five points at certain places uh, at some shops that's available may seem like too many points for me. So uh, I would actually personally go, I do currently have the Giants as a teaser leg. I know it's probably negative EV because I'm not that three has already been captured, but getting it to 10 and a half, I think that there's just no way that the commanders beat this Giants team by 11 plus points, all things considered. So just uh, my thoughts as a commanders fan there that I think the Giants really are live in that football game. Moving on, last but not least, Monday Night Football, and this certainly could be least because another kind of dud of a game. Even though the Packers are not officially dead in the water, they are close, and they need a big win at home against the Rams this week that are coming off that huge Thursday night win. Baker Mayfield won that football game, and he is in line to be the starter for the Rams in Green Bay. This line did also open at Green Bay minus eight and is now at six and a half at a bunch of shops, seven at the others, total sitting 39 and a half. Hitman, Rams, Packers, Monday night. What do you like in this one? Uh, maybe a lean towards teasing Green Bay from seven to one. I mean, I know what the the Rams did. It was a great ending and everything. But, again, it was another game. Like, they were play away from losing by margin again. I mean, they were down 13 points with six minutes left or whatever it was. And, Man, you know, 
I just wanted to say, I feel like end of game variance has been crazy this year. I've tweeted it a few times that feels like the NBA where just no lead is ever safe. And put yourself in my shoes that game. I had Raiders minus five look aheads and I had it pretty big because I, had, I just had a good feeling that it was going to move. And if I needed to, I would play back. And I played back a little bit of plus seven on the Rams. Game's going to land six. Um, ecstatic. Third and inches. You got Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher in the league. One first down. Game lands six. Obviously doesn't get it. Well, then they pin Baker Mayfield back 98 yards. All right, well, Baker Mayfield's not going to go the length of the field and everything. And w- what does he do? He goes down the field to the 20 or whatever it was and completes a pass to Van Jefferson that puts Van Jefferson's prop number over when I was on the under and completely destroys uh, the game landing six for me. I I just felt like that was an exclamation point to this season, the end of game variance being crazy. But um, yeah, I had to rant. I know everybody appreciates a good, a bad beat story. So I had to go rant about that one a little bit, but with that said, the Rams an LA team playing in the cold of green Bay. Uh, I, I like green Bay in a teaser potentially. Well, to get some positive vibes there, I had Van Jefferson anytime touchdown score. So that was some saving stuff at the end of that football <laughs> game on, on that throw from Mayfield. Uh, again, very, you know, you got to give credit to where it's due for the Los Angeles Rams, but not sure how much Baker Mayfield can really make an impact moving forward. T.A., how are you viewing this matchup? Uh, I will probably not watch this game. I'll be on vacation. So uh, this is a game I have no interest in in watching on Monday night. It's just two teams that it would have been a great game last year, right? But yeah, it, it's I'm not a bad I'm not a believer in Baker Mayfield. I was on the Rams on Thursday, but um so that was a great comeback, but he's not he's not the answer there. McVay could maybe get a little bit out of him. They just don't have enough weapons. Yeah, and going out outdoors into the uh um, cold weather, an LA team, you know, again, what's the motivation if you're on defense there? Um, it's just hard to, do, it's hard to, to handicap because we don't usually have buys this late in the year. So um, it's hard to handicap that motivation, but yeah, I'm just going to stay away. I mean, it's probably not uh, six and a half is probably the right number. I think seven and a half was probably a little rich. I just, you know, don't want to get involved either way there. Cause I don't believe in Baker Mayfield uh, overall. So um you know, but it, probably not not much for me here. Maybe some props on Monday night. Understandably so. Rams Packers, again, not really appointment television. Simply because it's week 15 and football is ending soon. I'll be watching it because I got to get my fix in before uh, the season ends and the playoffs begin. But that's going to do it for Edge Rush week 15. We truly appreciate all the listeners out there. Reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Hammer HQ. You can find us also on Twitter at the hammer hq you can find us at forward progress nfl find myself at slime action ta at cleave ta hitman at hitman 428 we appreciate everybody like comment subscribe best way to help us grow thank you for all the support and best of luck with your bets this weekend